0: We used to make computers, which ironically is based on the function of a brain. I'm sorry to break this to you, spoiler alert, but we got to do what we got to do to get on with our lives. We're talking about the brain. We're talking about the biggest thing on the face of this earth, in my opinion, besides your heart.
1: Consciousness is always evolving and our present perception becomes our conscious reality. Is life happening for you or is it happening to you? A life of authenticity is a life of skillfully practicing your values. You're perfectly human. And even when we stumble, we still stumble forward. If you seek truth and move in love in your family, I invite you to have a seat at our table. You are listening to an authentic outlier, the nocturnal therapist himself, Harry Turner. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Is That So Show. All right, we have a great show today. We have my brother, my brethren, Paul Bosworth, he getting up on the stage today, and he's going to talk to us about something very serious. That's something that that many people are afflicted with, but yet very few are aware of. Not only aware that they have it, but also what to do whenever they learn of this these these symptoms of this condition. And to introduce that, I would like to talk about uh, real quick my own. Some of you who have been following me know that I have a diagnosis of. Uh, PTSD. And really, I would I would self-diagnose myself, which you should never do, as complex PTSD, that form of it. But PTSD and you know when it I was experiencing the symptoms of it far before I became aware of what I was experiencing. And I won't go into the details as to what events occurred that really brought on the onset because we have far too much great information. That my brethren is going to share with us, you know, regarding his story. But I'll say that awareness is key. I am a mental health professional. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I am a certified mental health integrated medicine provider. I function as also heart-centered hypnotherapist, a certified clinical trauma professional. And yet, with all of these certifications that I have, I was unable to see right was right in front of my very eyes, the fact that I was suffering. You see, many of us, especially those of us who are helpers, we have no problem sacrificing our life, our, our energy, our time, um, you know, basically our bodies um, so that we can continue to do this great work that, that we are called to do. But unfortunately, those who are helpers typically are the worst at helping themselves. And so it took the physical symptoms to set in before I was able to go to a doctor. And I went to a medical doctor, not a therapist. I went to a medical doctor. And thank goodness, my medical doctor had a mental health background as well. Very well-versed. And I love that man to death. He retired in June. Dr. Brandt, thank you so much. You saved my life. But it was him who who was able to see what I could not. Again, even though I'm well-versed in mental health and I'm able to easily diagnose what's going on in other people, easily see the symptomology of the presenting issues present in other people. I myself was too close to the sun to understand what I was going through. I was far too close to the sun. It took my loved ones, because those are the the ones who suffer the most whenever we are caught, whenever we are unaware, you know, I would say caught unaware, but, you know, uh, that moment did catch me unaware, but it's, it's more of just a general unawareness that I was suffering from. And it was my loved ones who were harmed the most during this period of unawareness. And then once I had someone finally take the time to understand everything that was going on with me, that man talked to me for an hour and a half. This one provider pulled me back before any of the cashiers even showed up for their job. First thing in the morning, talked to me for an hour and a half. I thought the man didn't have any other patients. He made me feel as if I was the one and only patient he has ever had. And he took the time to say, no, this is what's going on. We're going to run some tests, but I I, I really think that you need some time off and you have to get your, your mental wellness together because you were running around here being Superman, but who's there to save Superman when he needs help. And that was the one question that just stayed with me. And he also guided me to the book, wherever you go, there you are. And I love, I, you know, I just love the wisdom that he shared with me in that room, but I won't stop the broadcast any further from welcoming this giant on the stage. So without further ado, I would like to introduce and welcome upon the stage, my brethren, Paul Bosworth.
0: Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. What's going on, brethren? How you doing, man? I am doing what's right in front of me. Sometimes it's the phone. Sometimes it's a call, call through instant messenger, but it's it's, hey, I don't understand. Help me understand what this is. So thanks for having me. This is a great topic. It's going to be big. Just warning you now, this is something that's hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's real important. I'm a survivor of a concussion. Yeah. No big deal. Big deal. It ended up being a very big deal. I'll tell you about it when when you're ready. And,
1: And so real quick, tell us your personal mission, your brand, what it is that you are passionate about before we get into your personal story.
0: So you would call me an inspirational speaker. And as I do my speeches, you'll find yourself going through a checklist as to how you fit in. I've done over three, four dozen, close to 50 presentations in front of various groups from five to 448. And every time I I do a talk about concussion awareness, we'll put that under the umbrella of concussion awareness. They have one person the tears streaming down their face saying, you just spoke to me. I need to talk to you. And I'll shake everybody's hand. I'll, I'll thank everybody after I do my talk, complete with PowerPoint slides because I came from the corporate world. But whew, it's that person. It's that one person that I show up for. And hopefully today it will be one person that that they can hear what I'm saying, and it resonates with them. I'm not asking for for diagnoses. I'm not. I'm just asking for awareness to look for the diagnoses, like you just described. I
1: don't know why I felt the need to button up my my top collar. I felt <laughs> I, I,
0: I'm kind of I'm kind of a lot. So you need to you need to snap up. Hey hey, you know what I'm saying? Get ready. Get ready. Hey, it's business time. It's business time with old Paul.
1: Yeah, and I accidentally—I didn't even realize—but I actually clicked a link. I was displaying something. I was teaching actually my father about Streamyard, and I clicked the link that he had accidentally that I put up there. It Was the Apostle Paul, and I was like, "Okay, oh, that actually fits." He's cool. That actually, that actually fits. That actually fits. So, look, Rodrin, real quick before uh, one more question before we get into your story, and that is, what is concussion awareness?
0: It's the realization that once somebody is in a car accident, they've fallen in the playground, they've inadvertently got whacked in the head with a, with a door, somebody's going in at the same time you're going out, or you've fallen for whatever reason, and you seem fine, you've shaked off everybody else, but months later, you have migraines for the first time ever, or speech aphasia. That's a 50-cent word you owe me. And it's basically you can't talk for like 30 seconds and everybody laughs and, and we move on sometimes. Sometimes it comes back, comes back, comes back. I was talking to a survivor about two weeks ago and she talks in a Scottish accent. She is from South Louisiana and she's like, went to the doctor and the doctor said no brain bleed, no stroke. And she turned around and off, off she went. And she's talking to me about my story and about concussion awareness. And she said, hold on a minute. You can have all these things that I'm dealing with just by a concussion. Yeah, I did. And we're 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 blowing, we're blowing past that. And usually it's because of embarrassment or ashamed, because you're supposed to show, you're supposed to you're supposed to show the wound. You're supposed to be able to show the wound. And with concussion, it's all in your head literally and the diagnosis I can go into it but yeah that's concussion awareness in a, in 2 minutes is having the awareness to ask the questions can we try a concussion test by the way I'm 14 years into it and I can't finish a concussion test without either throwing up or taking out the person that's that's holding me up true story but I look fine and Okay, brother. Yeah. Let's get, let's,
1: let's, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it.
0: That's the six by six package that Amazon dropped on your front step. Like, wait, what?
1: (laughs) So look, you and I, we spoke about this and let's begin with this all pertinent question and, and don't be uh, off put by, I might uh, single in on you and I might get off stage for a second, just to let you have the stage. But my question to you is what happened? 9, 11, 2007, brethren.
0: I uh, used to work for Lenovo. We used to be IBM, personal computing division. And I was—I had a $6.2 million call. I lived in Washington, D.C. That was my territory, Arlington, Virginia, courthouse. What's up? And I was by myself and I was eating chicken fried rice day just like today. Real pretty, sunny, and studying who I was going to talk to, doing my homework. And I choked on some food. And that's when everything slowed down to a trickle pace. Uh, thought ran through my head: "This is not good." And apparently, blacked out. And on the process of blacking out, I had shuffled about four or five feet to my left. Apartments in D.C. are very small, so my office to the, my kitchen to throw this up to throw this blockage up because the food got stuck in my throat. So, lack of oxygen plus blunt trauma. Was a recipe for me not to have a 6 figure year job anymore. I did not know that at the time, and neither did the doctors. I managed to wake up through God's graces, and it was the longest inhale I've ever experienced nor ever heard about anybody telling me about since. It took a couple of minutes to fill some of my, my chest with air so I could get up and realize that the food was still stuck in my throat. I had conked my head, and I got up, and everything that was on the walls I was a bumper car going through my apartment. Everything that was on the walls was on the on the floor crashed, smashed, and so did the old finger in the down the throat out came the blockage plus a whole bunch of blood. so I called my girlfriend i mean I'm Outside sales rep, I'm Superman. I can do everything. Let me just call my girlfriend. No need, no need for EMS. This is too embarrassing for me. I'm missing a, a client call right now. The other, the rest of the team's on it. I've already hung up with them. My inside rep manager, who was located in North Carolina, a state away, said, Go to the hospital. I had no idea that this was even something that needed to be worried about. It was just a concussion, right? So I'm breathing. It hurts right here in my chest where the food got stuck. And my girlfriend's coming, and the look on her face was that of Dawn on the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. It's like, what happened? I was like, this a hospital. That's all I said. And so needless to say, went to the hospital. This is the same hospital that our representatives, the senators, go when they have a sneeze or a hiccup or a baby or whatever. And it is beautifully, nicely done. It is probably one of the prettiest. It looks like a hotel, this Trauma One Center. And on 9-11-2007, I was treated and released. That doctor scared the ever-living out of my my girlfriend because she said, watch him, talking about me, for the next six to eight hours, but call us tomorrow and, and continue to watch him. She didn't go to sleep that night. God love her. But... It was a it was a confederacy of dunces because nobody knew what they were doing and nobody had protocol to keep me. Today, they have protocol of three days just to watch. So I had lack of oxygen plus blunt trauma. I couldn't talk. I had no filter. So everything was at high volume or no volume. Yeah. So that all happened. No tests were run. They did do an MRI just to make sure I didn't have a brain bleed because that's all they knew. And so I didn't have a brain bleed, and I was told to go home, and this will hopefully pass over. We hope it's going to pass over. I had a lot to say about that because I'd just fallen off of a, a $6.2 million call. So I had a lot, and plus I had several other irons in the fire. So this was a real big inconvenience to me and a lot of other people too. So that's what happened the day of, and after that was two weeks of me being on vacation, I had no work, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I don't mean to stop your flow, but I do have a question just, just so people could keep up. Yeah. Can you please tell us real quick what constitutes blunt trauma? Because I believe there's even ignorance around this, this question. So can you tell us what constitutes blunt trauma, please?
0: As best I can, because I'm not a clinician, but as best I can, uh, blunt trauma is, somebody punching somebody in the head baseball bat to the head anything that strikes the head and that that is a an inanimate object even two people conking their heads together count as blunt trauma it's something that is more of a strike but in my case and and i didn't know this until then but inside of your head is like coral it's very sharp so when i shook my head around My brain around in my skull. It was cutting it and slicing it and taking function out one function at a time, including my eyesight, my speech, my pretty much every organ misfired in a matter of a month. So I was going to the hospital a lot, and I was paying copays a lot. And I went straight to specialists as fast as I possibly could. So that's between two and five hundred dollars a specialist because my I didn't. I was super mad. I didn't need big time health care. Screw that. I'm just going to get the minimal. No, big mistake. So I was I was learning from professionals that went some of them went to Ivy League schools. They're like, we just don't have everything we need to help you. And that was the most freeing thing at the same time as depressing at the same time, because they're telling me, Paul, you're on your own. They're just not telling me those in those words.
1: Mm -hmm. all right brother all right brethren so continue you know telling us exactly what you know how did it how did how did you get to understanding where you are now the understanding you have now
0: what's next is a little bit of god a little bit of angels a little bit of this dating this woman for about seven months until to this day so seven months prior and her best friend Sorry, her sister's best friend is the, one of the leading neurologists in Northern Virginia. And we went to the, urinal doc, the urinary doctor, the heart doctor three times, the speech therapist for a month and a half. All the processes that would be there on a Tuesday, but not on a Friday, we went to them. And I, and I was doing this mainly myself. Like I told you, I pretty much had to do this myself. And my girlfriend would take me to my doctor's appointments. We didn't date. So those were our dates, so to speak. And we went to, we just, we chased everyone that was under the, the umbrella of insurance. Chased this one, chased that one, chased this one. She was exhausted. And I appreciate her for hard work. But it do, started to dawn on me when I could not remember what happened at nine o'clock at, at lunch. That I needed to get on with my life. I needed to find something to get my brain back. And that I didn't know it was going to be a lifetime thing. I thought it was just going to be a couple months because, again, it's just a concussion. It's no big deal. So, we went through all these doctors and I would shout. And, and so, you, you know, this pain, brain pain comes out your mouth. So, I'd shout and go on and I would drink and get worse. I would eat pizza five times a week because I couldn't remember what I ate the night before. And boy, that was a really good pizza place up the street. So, I gained 30 pounds in two months. Brad will do that, but she was so put off. She's a finance major, and she just wanted to get me to the point where I would not cry, yell, scream, or or just be depressed. And I would, and she would encourage me to have friends over, and they would they would get on my nerves because they kept telling me, "You look fine." That's what they were they were telling me that because that's the truth. You can't dig around the truth. You got to go through the truth to get to the other side. And the whole time I'm finding on my own ways to get my brain back. And in brain injury services in Northern Virginia, I networked, broken brain and all, couldn't see out of my eyes. I'd looked through my eyebrows and that was 2020. And I networked to get rehabilitation. And Ruben, my doctor, was with me, but he, didn't, he knew about it, but he didn't know all about it. And he didn't know if they would take me just because I would have a concussion. So I sat next to a guy with a helmet on. And I would ask him, why do you have that helmet on? He couldn't answer me. He couldn't even know what I was saying. But did that until the insurance ran out. And then I'm, I'm holding on to all my practitioners. They're like, I can't date you. I'm married. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're part of the lifeline that I need. And they would suggest these different people, these different places, these different... My speech therapist connected me to a long-term rehabilitation outfit that I'd love to have generated in the state of Louisiana, which is they just take people that are mainly high functioning and not necessarily good functioning and find them a ramp to their house, find them... We have that, but it's all dramatics. It's all what they teach in the book is the, the house is burning down you got to go in. you got to go help this person. He wants to hang himself. He wants to hang his cat, whatever. But that's the drama part. But what I'm talking about is the 80% of what about me? There's a Me Too movement, and I'm in it. Sorry, not sorry. But it's the people that get in a, in a wreck real quick or get into an altercation or get into a long-term abusive relationship, and they ain't right. They're not right after that. And you, there's Uncle Mildred drinks a lot at Thanksgiving because she's not had many thank good Thanksgivings in her life. Talk about PTSD. Boom. There it is. So I'm in this this quagmire. I'm in this quicksand. My, my, my job, my technology job is already gone. I mean, it's been six months. That just soon be six years. I can't catch up with that. I don't know what I had for breakfast. I did eat. I'm not hungry, but I don't remember what it was. And so then I started to look outward, and I got on Facebook. Oh, dear. Well, Facebook was a blessing and a curse at the same time. It just depended on how I looked at it, and that's still today. But I I needed something to, to bounce me out of this huge bucket that I was in amongst many, many, many other people, and they called it out as mentally ill. I'm like, hold on a minute. I'm a structure guy. I built. Laptops. If you drop a laptop, something is going to break, and something is going to disallow functioning of that laptop. So I was—I would joke with people. I'm a laptop that's been dropped on the ground. Oh, that's not going to work. Correct, but it's not going to crack because our our cases are steel and they're not going to crack. So it looks like a good one, but in fact, once you open it up, you've got a big old haul of horrors. You've got a whole bunch of mess coming out and that's where i found myself and I, I couldn't go to loud bars i couldn't i used to do that a lot like daily because i lived in a real urban area real close together you went to the bar and you grabbed dinner and you had a beer and you went home but uh all of a sudden my head was so sensitive my eyes were super sensitive It still are I'll, I'll look down while i'm talking because this this panel of of light affects me but the insights that I gained while I was in rehabilitation, the speech therapist was totally cobbling together in 2008, not kidding. And she just wanted to make us work. She made, and it was the simplest of, of, of processes, bounce the ball, shift it to the left, pick up the ball, throw it in the air, shift it to the right. Boy, that took an hour just to do that but I'm so grateful because she kept walking up to me and the stuff that was flying out of my mouth was, you're so insightful. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Is there beer here? I mean, is there, is this, there's a, there's a, a lunch service here, right? So that's what I was used to. And finally I, I, I let go of the jokes because a person that's had a concussion is full of jokes. That's what i found. That's, and, and I'll tell you now I've, I made up my mind in 2010 to find an oxygen therapy. And in 2012, I logged 40, four, zero dives in an oxygen chamber that was not approved. It was not insurance, had nothing to do with it. I found it on my own because I needed to get out of this pit of sorrow and pharmaceuticals. Oh, joy. And I wasn't getting out. <laughs> there was no There was no stairs coming out. And it changed my life. Did it fix me? Nah, in some in some areas, but I was at least better. I could talk clearer. I didn't get made fun of because I talked funny. In the middle of a sentence, I would did 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 did. did. And coincidentally, you mentioned PTSD. It comes along with concussion. It's a buy one get one, and it just matters. It depends on if you let it out your mouth or keep it in. Most people keep it in because they're going to get judged or teased or something to that effect. But when I did the oxygen therapy, I lost my stutter. And that in and of itself made me more normal. And then I had to kind of decide, well, if you're more normal, do you stay with the diagnosis or do you cast it aside and go back to work? So I would make deals with myself. Could you stay up until? Could you stay awake from nine a.m. till till eleven? Constantly doing something. And in two thousand and ten, sorry, two thousand and twelve, that was a really good idea. But it took me until two thousand fifteen. It took me years to get to the point where I could get past the onus of you have a brain injury. You're not right in the head. I carry that around today, and I've become a callous to the people that judge me because. Brain injury is not something that's going to be prevalent on a daily basis. It's going to pop its head up, kind of like whack a mole. Pop its head up sometimes, and sometimes it won't. Sometimes it will. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes it'll be somebody you talk to that will that will trigger you.
1: Let me let me, let me take a a quick. Quick pause and ask you, so exactly for the people, what is traumatic brain injury? Now, I understand you, I asked you what constitutes a concussion, but is there a difference between concussion and traumatic brain injury? And if so, what is traumatic brain injury?
0: That's a, that's, so that's where the stigma starts. So I have a mild traumatic brain injury. You put an M in front of the TBI. Traumatic brain injury is an is a, as far as I understand, is an insult to the, to the brain, uh, either coup shaking back and forth, or you can have one through taking the wrong medicine and it just running amok through your brain, damaging it. Encephalitis is another. Gosh, this is, these, these are really good questions. But some of these are documented, but, but not all of them. And it's a mild traumatic brain injury only in the emergency room. That's the only place that exists is mild. Because mild is anything but mild. It's, there's Like I was saying earlier, I was talking to a woman and she was shocked. She's like, I have all these symptoms and that can come from a concussion. Yeah, it happened with me and it happens with the statistics are every 11 seconds. Someone has a traumatic brain injury in the United States and that's understated. All these are understated. 6,000 per day. I think it's rounded up to 9,000 per day have a brain injury in the United States. 2.8 million have a brain injury in the United States. The clinicians God love them. They, they're great at what they do, but they're still quoting the the, uh, the number that's 10 years old, which is 1.7. It's really 3.5 if you add strokes because stroke is a brain injury. I know so. it's it's almost a blessing that I that I had it because I know all this stuff. I didn't know all this stuff. I used to make computers, which ironically is based on the function of a brain. <laughs> God has great, great sense of humor. But once I accepted my brain injury for what it is, I got to the point where I found this oxygen therapy, and I didn't go to doctor's offices anymore. Specifically, the the, the woman counselor, just like you, LCSW, and ironically, her father made, was on the team that made the first personal computer at IBM. Those are the people I used to work for. That was who, that's what I was working with that day. Anyway. So yeah, so the daughter bailed me out. And I was that guy that once my family did an about face and said, we're not buying it. You're just trying to get out of work, I guess. And I stormed into her office. And I think that young man on the couch sold his clothes because I had a lot to say and my lungs were full of venom. So yeah, he, 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 he literally crawled back. And it's when I busted through that door, that was very rude of me. I don't expect anybody to take my word as to that's the way to do it. But when you, when you have a concussion, you lose your filter. So um, my filter was gone. And I was just told by my family, in so many words, we don't get it. You're making this up. Get your ass back to work. Stop. Not meandering, but pandering. My doctors were pandering to me. They were just oh oh yeah go ahead yeah yeah that's terrible oh it's terrible no <laughs> and I would I would gather my 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 uh, crew at the rehab center and I was like can you talk to these these siblings of mine and they had five of them and they kept looking at each other like why are we doing this and after the phone was phone call was over with they said oh I understand why we're doing this they don't get it and I'm I'm not I don't that I don't have energy then, nor do I have it now to explain that to them because people like certain political figures and you can't get it off of them. So don't even try.
1: Let me, let me let me say this real quick. So, you know, what you're saying is definitely akin to experiences that I was having with, with prior to being diagnosed. Again, I said earlier that it's our loved ones that experience it first because those are the closest to us and we're too close to the sun to see it. And so it was the chronic irritability. It was the sensitivity with sounds for me. It was the wanting to be away from people and isolate myself for long periods of times, like my behavior began to change. And it, 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 when you were talking, uh, again, with the traumatic brain injury, I, I definitely should have had this name uh, readily available. And so please excuse me if I say it wrong. Phineas Gage, I believe it was. Again, forgive me if I said it wrong. You're familiar with Phineas Gage? I am. Yes. Well, Paul, who better to tell that about uh, Phineas Gage than you, please?
0: That doesn't mean I remember who he was, though. (laughs) (laughs) I know who he is. Phineas Gage. Didn't they carve a a hole in his head or something?
1: See, something, an accident, an accident happened. And I believe a bar went straight through his. his That's right. Yeah. He suffered a major, major uh, traumatic brain injury with the bar going. And they left it in
0: or something like that.
1: Well, they they when once they fixed him up, because he survived. So once they fixed him up, what they noticed is that this man went from being a very humble man, quiet man, very moralistic, had great uh, etiquette as as his friends would describe, to being very erratic, being very impulsive, being very sharp with people, being very rude, irritable constantly, being that one person that everyone can't stand to be around. They knew. But because of how dramatic the behavior changed after the head injury, they knew it was due to the injury. Uh, His friends knew it was due to the injury that this changed because it was a radical change of behavior.
0: That was the same. That was the same with me, Harry. I (laughs) I went from driving every day, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours a day to now within 30 minutes after breakfast, I was fast asleep for three hours. I did pr- promote the symptoms that you suggested, but uh, that oxygen therapy, that made it go away for the most part. But I, it, it, let's put it this way. I felt like I was in a pool of water, and sometimes it would get hot and sometimes it wouldn't, but I was sucking air out of the top of just the water. I was underneath, and I couldn't get above the water. So the oxygen therapy that I met got me above the water so I can make better decisions with my life. I can make better decisions on what I'm eating. What I'm eating had every, and drinking for that matter. That had everything to do with my mood. That had everything to do with my filter. I was just pouring battery acid on my filter every time I'd have a beer. Wait, I've done, I grew up in New Orleans, so did you. You, you grew up at, at 10, you've already had at least a sip of beer. So that was my that was my thing, and I was incensed that I could not do what I what I did before, and it was in the matter of a minute.
1: So yes, yes, and so you know, with oh, I could talk to you for hours, man. But I do help the people understand, you know, how your life that like you spoke on how it changed. But I want you know it it's important that people who are suffering from this, that they stop shaming themselves and that they understand what is going on and also how to get help. So can you assist people with that, brother? And please talk about the foundation.
0: Okay, just a little segment before I get into it. I'd go every year. So I had my brain injury in in the Washington, D.C. area. I moved back to Louisiana. And but before I did that, I made sure that I had good ties with the Brain Injury Association of America, who has got it understood. If you if you need help, you can dial that 1-800 number with Brain Injury Association of America. You'll be connected to a certified brain injury specialist. With the, the work I do with them is to go to Washington, D.C. and find out what the lawmakers are up to, spending money on brain injury. Not yet. A little bit. Somewhere here, somewhere there. Uh, $60 million did go to the military, and part of that money created BrainLine.org. Brainline all one word.org. And that is a PBS public broadcasting station that has sunk all kinds of money into military, civilians, and children.
1: Can you um, can you give me those, that number you, you said, what was the name of the hotline? It, 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 give me a, that information.
0: It's a Brain Injury Association of America, BIAUSA.org, And the other one is brainline.org. And Brainline.org has support groups per state, so you can click on, do some clicking, get you know resources and support, and you'll find the United States. You can click on Louisiana, you can click on Oregon, you can click on North Carolina, and you can find a support group in your state, in your near your city. Did you say Brainline.com?
1: Brainline.org and and Brain Injury Association of America.org, as well as Brain li- Brain. Injury.org or BrainLine.org.
0: BrainLine.org, correct. My The foundation that we're, we're trying to, to generate, because I can make a website, but we don't have it all. We have I have it in my head. I just need help sorting it out and making it into something. And that's called AmazeFoundation.org. We have our paperwork for the state. We just don't have it for the IRS yet. But that supports me to travel around and do talks like this, but in front of people. And I have slides I can show you before and after pictures of brain missing, brain showing up. And the, the key note is that I'm not well. I'm not completely well from my issues. Just like somebody that has multiple sclerosis or somebody that has some disease that you can't see, but if you stress them out or if you overwork them or if you get them tired, this other person, quote unquote, comes out. And that's where I am today. So I could actually function for a couple of hours, helping people doing stuff like this. But I'm going to rest after this on purpose, because my brain, the battered and bruised thing that it is, I got some of it back. But I know that my strategies will be in place to, to recoup.
1: Brother, let me do a little bit of advocacy as well and just say that for those of y'all who suffer from PTSD, you understand how closely the symptoms of PTSD and, and uh, traumatic brain injury mimic each other. And so one of the things that I noticed within myself, and I learned the hard way, which I think my brethren Paul did as well, is that when I get tired, you talk about that other person, and you don't know that you've lost yourself. I call it the not-self thing. You know, it's 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 those moments where you are not yourself and and it's usually, you know, it's usually not healthy. You know, it's not you know, it's always not healthy. You yeah. are it's in a space of fatigue. Usually that fatigue is the main thing that gets me. But in that space of fatigue, you become unhealthy in that space of unhealthy. You fall into your not self thing, which may be bitterness, self-loathing, you know, just outright just anger. Or know? just
0: being fed up it's like y'all just leave me alone. I'm overstimulated. But you look fine.
1: I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And, and, let, me, and let me ask you this, because I know with PTSD, definitely the suicide rates is a correlation between PTSD and, and suicidology. What about TBI? I would assume that those rates are pretty much the same across the board.
0: It is, but we don't talk about concussion as a TBI because it's marginal. It varies on different people. But my PTSD story is, is as follows, At 25 uh, each treatment, each oxygen treatment's called a dive. Eight, and I was 25 or 28 in, and it's that's a whole nother show. But I realized that I'd been washing my dishes by hand for the past five years. And on one day at four o'clock in the afternoon, I needed to, and I lived in this very high rent district in, in Lafayette, Louisiana, small town America. And I backed up and I looked at this thing called a dishwasher. And I said, Why the hell am I not using that? And I said this to my core group of people, it was about five people. Those are my core group. And one of them said, You probably hit it when you were thrashing around on the floor choking, losing your life. And I said, You get a coffee for the day, because you I think you just answered the question. And to this day, I still don't trust. (laughs) <laughs> Dishwashers, as asinine as that sounds, when it's involved in your accident, you get in the car after you've been T-boned by an eighteen-wheeler. Go ahead. No, that's not where you're going to be, and or at least not comfortably. So, yeah, my PTSD comes in in, but now that I'm I'm walking my path and I've accepted my brain injury for what it is and work with others, and I help them to see, this is what it is, it's very practical circumstance, and this is what it is. And if you just kept, I would ask questions daily, what about this, what about this, what about that, it's gonna be what it's gonna be. So a little spiritual path started as well. So I became a different person, but, and and I'll realize that if I set things up, just like a stage, every day is a stage, And if I set things up and I'm four o'clock into it and I've been doing something all day, constantly, one after the other, by five o'clock, I'm not going to go out at night. I'm not going to go find something to do. So am I a recluse? No, I'm smart. (laughs) I'm smart to know that if I push myself, I'll find that different person. I'll find that, that grumpy Gus, I used to call him.
1: Thank you so much, brethren, for, for talking about that. And for those of y'all who are suffered from PTSD, T, uh, TBI, and you may not be able to self-diagnose, which nobody should self-diagnose themselves, but if you are suffering the symptoms that we talked about, chronic irritability, uh, dizziness is one of my symptoms, as, as was brethren over here, Paul. A chronic irritability, moods, moods changes, periods of where you don't want to move and want to isolate yourself, things of that nature. It could be a, a it could be a few things. It could be chronic depression as well as PTSD. But usually, comorbid to PTSD is major depressive disorder, and I would assume the same for TBI.
0: It's, a, it's a slippery slope, and mm-hmm. that's where I, that's where I realized. I'm like, hold on a minute. If I'm experiencing this with concussions, and I could easily slide down that slide to get into the bowels of hell, and in the, in the last 14, uh, active 12, in the last 12 years, I've met people that have died, that have taken their own life, because they just, they want to stop, they want to stop the ridicule, they want to stop the pain, they want to stop the confusion, they want to stop everything, and my hat's off to them, is that something that I missed? No, I just happen to have been on the way to acknowledge that they are real in their their circumstance. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. what this is. It's a circumstance. I was handed a diagnosis and said, good luck. And I've had it. So I wanna share that with other people. That's why I'm here. That's why I do what I do. That's why I'm very outspoken on things that, on methodologies and and strategies. Like I have a bucket, I have a bucket strategy. I'll share that with you another time because we're running out of time. But if I have my buckets and they're not right, I'm gonna pay.
1: Hmm, and 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 so you 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 know, I see it my my diagnosis as a a blessing as well as a responsibility because I give gratitude in all things. But my my the diagnosis and the pain that came afterwards from me thinking I could operate the exact same way, it helped me to develop or be more intentional about developing the skill of living authentically. And you mentioned that you mentioned one main thing that that. You've said it multiple times and I don't want to, I don't want people to miss or rather I choose for people to catch. I would rather people catch the jewel that you dropped in that it all began with acceptance. He kept saying once he accepted what was going on. He said that multiple times. And I hope those of y'all who listen to this, y'all catch that acceptance is the key. Uh Can can you talk a little bit about that, brother?
0: I didn't. I almost wag my finger at my doctor just like I did when I went back to work and I looked like I had a stroke on 16 people that were trying to fill me in on what I'd missed while I had my brain injury. That that client call did exist. So when I came back, they all set up and I hung up on them because I could not. They said, how much is the opportunity? I was like, <laughs> and I reared back and I called the doctor and I had a lot of Loud words to share with them, and fact is, bro, bro, it was not pretty. And she said, "I told you, I told you that this was that your circumstances have changed." I said, "Since when?" I didn't remember. I didn't remember anything like that. She probably told me, and I was I was walking out the door. I'm like, okay, whatever. And so then I was like, okay, now I'm gonna write stuff down. So I wrote stuff down for years just to prime the pump to get my memory back. To get my working memory back.
1: Talk, come on. Let, let me let me let me bring that in real quick too. Again, another symptom <laughs> is the forgetfulness. Because let me tell you something, brethren. I is since, and I have you know, I'm, I'm much better at living skillfully, and so I, I maintain for the most part equanimity. But yeah, that that what you were talking about. You know that that symptom right there. It's very prevalent. You know, and it can cause great issues. It's a
0: know? tip what we called at IBM is the word called tipping point. And I found all these tipping points that could have sent me down into the bowels of a hurricane. and it could be in seconds, and I'm like, how do I slow that? because medical science would stop or go. You're either gonna stop or go? I'll, I'll leave it at that, not to get graphic, but I was in the middle. I needed to function again. I needed to. To, and, and pharmaceuticals weren't getting it at all. I would function for two or three weeks and my brain would go, oh, let me just rearrange all that stuff. Let me rearrange. Oh, now it doesn't work. And it was over and over and over again. I, my doctor was so blessed. He had something that came off the, the assembly line. He said, you can only take one of these a week, one of these pills a week to focus and for sleep. I was like, take this back. I do not know what happened yesterday, and I can't tell you if I asked you. What did call out my traumatic brain injury, my concussion, my mild traumatic brain injury that's not mild, is a six-hour test with a neuropsychologist. It's a gold standard. It's a it's a necessary thing. I don't want to talk anybody out of it. But if, if you go get one, it's a concussion protocol, I guess. I don't know what the name of it is. But it's six hours, and you get a 30-minute lunch. Have somebody drive you. Because that called out my concussion, besides going to a specialist like I did eight years later in Baton Rouge, and he had a concussion test that involved movement, because he's a chiropractor. And turned out I couldn't even finish it. And afterwards, I was just talking out of the side of my head. I went with a nurse friend of mine, and she was stunned. She was like, I've never seen anything like this. I'm like, well, it's a concussion. You passed it for five minutes during another conversation. That was a bigger conversation, but the concussion conversation is rising big time. It's rising. We've got NFL, we've got military, we've got moms, we've soccer kids. And what's
1: and, that movie? What's that movie with Will Smith? He played the doctor regarding NFL. I forget. Concussion. Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: All right. Uh, yeah. Concussion. Concussion.
0: Y'all. I, I just made it funny. <laughs> It's called concussion, and there's another one called the crash reel, R E E L crash reel, and it steps through a family going through a, a traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. He actually cracked his skull. They can't tell me. I don't think I cracked my skull. I just shook it up like a cocktail shaker, and I said that for years, making fun of it because if I owned it, ah, oh, now I'm gonna have to. You know what you ought to do is. You know what you're doing wrong is you need this diet. And I'm like, okay, this is another reason why I need to own it so that I can just say, yes, I had a concussion. It changed my life. It brought me to a more spiritual path. It brought me to save other people. Ooh, really? Okay. How do you do that?
1: Okay. All right. All right. This is the final question. And this is a great one. Great timing for this because the, the theme, you know, I, I combine the treatment modalities that I'm familiar with, effective treatment modalities with spirituality, because these spiritual truths There's only so far that science can go. Science is always catching up to spirituality. And for me, the physical is a manifestation of spiritual laws. And so where science ends, that's where you can continue to rely on spirituality to get you to that place. And we do have, I I personally believe that we have all the mechanisms inside of our body to heal ourselves. And so my final question for my brother is connect your personal brand mission to being lit or living in truthful life my 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 new course is being released the lit factor uh, for those of y'all who haven't seen my website it's www.becomingoutlier.com the lit factor is the first the first phase of this my uh, of my my way of teaching my personal mission statement was to which is to assist those in developing the audacity to live unapologetically authentic So brother, when it comes down to living in your truth, connect your mission, your brand to living in truth for life for us.
0: It's it's how we connect is living in our truth. It's how we connected from the very start over a year ago. Face it, who hasn't had a brain injury? Who hasn't had a a concussion? And I've learned that years later, that concussion can manifest itself as an anxiety disorder. Where would that come from? And all of a sudden, you've got another disorder. And all of a sudden, you, you've, you've wrecked three cars in one year. How'd that happen? Where'd that come from? And the, the onus is on me. It's not on a man or a woman with a white lab coat that's going to write a prescription. It's not. I'm sorry to break this to you, spoiler alert, but we got to do what we got to do to get on with our lives. And not all of it is through a pill. There's a song out there that my friend teased, teased me about. Uh, a lot of teasing in the early years was as a pill for everything. And I realized that, yeah, what can I do for for me? my My mom and dad grew up in the depression, so they kept instilled in me, what can you do for Paul today? What can you do that would impact others positively? I love community. I could care less about it before before my brain injury. But it sounds like you're
1: speaking of, brethren, real quick, is, is you are doing what what you value most, which you're doing what's most important to you, you say. And so what's the most important to you is something that we value. And so you're living through your values. And for those of y'all who have not heard me conceptualize authenticity, authenticity is about living through your values, how closely in alignment you are with your values, the more, The more in alignment you are with your values or what is important to you via intentionality, you intentionally doing what it is that you love to do, that lights you up, that lights that flame in you, that keeps you passionate for life, that keeps life alive for you. When you do that, now you're behaving, now you're operating in an authentic space. And when you are in an authentic space, it, it is amazing what you can do. Paul, my brethren, I can tell personally that my brethren, he has reached so many people's hearts after having this this diagnosis. You hear me? After the pain, after the loss of friendship, the loss of, of different mobilities, the loss of basically how life was for him. He lost it all. And by loss, we don't really lose anything, right? We don't take losses. We take lessons. He had to change. And when we have to have such a dramatic change, especially when it comes down to having a condition and having to change your life, it offsets, it triggers this grief process that we have to go through. And awareness is key through it all, which is why my brother emphasized first he had to accept what was going on, you know. And and I just had to speak that real quick. But brethren, oh, I'm going to have to pull you back on here, man. But I want you I want to give you a chance to to talk to the people real quick. And then I'm going to jump back on here and say my little piece. All right.
0: All right. Thanks again for having me, Harry. The love between us is, is honest because we get each other. If somebody's out, somebody's watching this, if somebody watching me, somebody's watching Harry, and at some point in their lives have had a traumatic event, could have been a, a wreck, could have been falling down a flight of stairs, could have been some idiot hitting you in the head with a, a Bible or something, just random. And you, you weren't the same after... Now, it might not be the next day, it might be a couple of months later. But and I assure you, the answer that you just gave me is nope, I'm good. Think dwell on it for a couple of weeks, for a couple, maybe a couple of months, and let that trickle up that you fell down the monkey bars and clocked your head into a steel bar at the age of nine. Maybe that's the case. I can't tell you many times people, when I say, Have you ever conked your head? Nope, nope, not me. But no that you're not alone. You're not alone with this. And there is ways and methodologies that you can adopt, even if it's for yourself, because every brain's different. That's what I bring to the table. Every brain's different. Your brain's different than mine. You like coconut. I can't stand it. But know that you're not alone and there are resources out there there are people that will be able to help and unfortunately not all of them are going to be covered under insurance. so and we also serve a, mo- a monthly meeting called the Amaze Brain Health Group. We're on Facebook on Facebook and we meet once a month and we talk about uh, Harry comes to has come to a couple of our, our sessions and we talk about what is possible. what is possible after you've conquered your head? like I said a minute ago. Who hasn't fallen and conked their head in some way, shape, or form? Sometimes that forms this. In my case, that was the case. In Harry's case, he's mentioning that. But know that you're not alone because it's not. And the other thing is it's not all in your head. That's, that's a half truth. It's not a whole truth. Yes, it's in your head. You have some synapses that have broken. I didn't know what that word was when I was making computers back in 2005. What the hell is a synapse? I think I heard that in chemistry class or, or biology class in sixth grade. But it, it, it. once you go back to basics and watch what you eat, watch what you drink, watch how you sleep, watch when you sleep, and be patient with yourself while you walk through this, know that you're not alone. You've got a couple of resources on here. You're welcome to have me back. We're talking about the brain. We're talking about the biggest thing on the face of this earth, in my opinion, besides your heart. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Brethren, 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 thank you so much for being on here, man. And of course, we're going to pull you on here, man. I love Paul. He is a, a a great spirited man. And while I, you know, I feel for the journey that he's been through, I'm so grateful that he's been through it because he would not be who he is today had it not been for back then. So, Amen. brethren, you are Amen. welcome again, man. And let me say goodbye to my people real quick, man. And I'm going to get up with you real quick, all right? All right. All right, y'all heard it. Another great episode of the Is That So Show. Again, Is That So is about equanimity, y'all. It's about understanding that life will bombard you with many stresses. You may be bombarded with many stresses, but you can still choose your relationship. With the present moment, you can still choose your relationship with these many stresses. Paul Bosworth is an example of someone who chose a different route with his stresses. He went the natural route, which was the grieving. It's natural, the grieving, the going to to alcohol, the, the, the irritation, the wanting to isolate yourself and many of us have suffered from the thoughts of suicidal ideation. And I don't mind saying that at all because it's a common thing that more people need to speak about. We need to remove the shame and the negative connotation around this thing and understand that this is a common condition. This is a common experience whenever people feel so overwhelmed by life that they don't have a way. And what happens whenever your medical provider or the medical community or any community that you're relying on to give you this valuable information to help you figure out what's going on with you, what happens when they are unable to? What happens when people dismiss your symptoms, when they minimize what you're going through as if they can feel for you? You know, so this, these, these, I put together this season, season two, to be the season on mind body medicine to be holistic. And so I'm going to bring up topics like traumatic brain injury, PTSD. I'm going to bring on providers that talk about holistic ways of healing. Remember, we're there's so many different dimensions to wellness, financial wellness is the number one one. We've, Typically look at as Americans, but understand you have emotional wellness, you have social wellness, you have intellectual wellness. You know you have uh, career uh, career wellness. You know it, 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 where are you working at. Does it affirm your reality? Does it affirm who you are as a person? Do you feel lit up for life, or are you living in your truth by doing that? Last thing I want to say is that when you live in your truth, what you do, you you it's not work. You know when you. When you get lit and you begin to live according to your values and you find a, a career path that's in alignment with your values it no longer becomes work, it becomes a duty, a privilege, an honor. And I want to say that as a psychotherapist to my people out there who are actually my clients, because none of y'all listen to me are my clients, if you have not been my client, thank you, because it's a privilege and an honor to be your therapist. To so those listening to us, thank you. Cause it's a privilege and honor to share this information because this is every bit about us as we, as, as it is about you, you know, we are better together. We are stronger together, but we got to understand how to come together and understanding is the key understanding and accepting that this thing is here. All right. I, I have to go out on and put a plug on this thing, but it's been a great time. My brother, Paul Bosworth, he shared a lot of great information with us plenty of stakes to go around. And we're going to have him back on to talk a little bit more about spirituality and how spirituality assisted him and the healing process of his TBI. Because understand this, that in life, it's it's never a quick solution. It's always a process. And the process is much more important than the destination. All right, y'all, this is the Nocturnal Therapist. I appreciate y'all. Agape and stay lit tell your time what to do or does your time tell you what to do? Are you living or are you merely existing? Are you constantly reacting or are you responding to life? Mixed beliefs create confusion and confusion creates a life of stagnation. Desire change? Visit www.becomeanoutlier.com slash about that is www.becomeanoutlier.com U-T-L-I-E-R com slash about A-B-O-U-T to start your journey. Stay tuned for more episodes and keep listening to the Nocturnal Therapist himself, Harry Turner.